0: Welcome to another episode of my uh, podcast. And um, as always, my regular listeners will know I'm always delighted to have my guest on. And today is no um, different. Today I have the wonderful, brilliant, effervescent, charming um, Imogen McCourt, who is a revenue enablement leader and advocate. Orchestra Ned delivering transformations with measurable outcomes and commercial growth. That's what her LinkedIn profile says at uh, the Economist Group. And also, hot uh, off the press, uh, she is being moved up to the board of the Sales Enablement Society. So many congratulations, uh, Imogen. Um, the title of today's uh, podcast is What Does Sales Enablement Mean? And without further ado, I always start with Imogen a who, what, why, when where and let's see what multiple rabbit holes this takes
1: to take today oh thanks alex that's a very glowing uh introduction i hope i live up to it in this uh in this conversation
0: you will do so um i know you will do um our conversations are always awesome and uh yeah so i'll go back to it again who what why when where what's your what's your story and then let's see where this goes
1: Uh, Yes. So I, um, as you said, I'm at The Economist Group. I am sort of slightly, if you can be a sales enablement geek, I probably am a sales enablement geek. Um, I have never worked in or for a SaaS company, although I've consulted for some. So I think I bring a slightly interesting angle on this in terms of sales enablement for non-technology companies there's not many of us out there and certainly not many of us in Europe as well but for me the problems are the same you know siloed organizations uh lost sight of where cost of sale is actually driving a difference and ultimately the thing everybody wants to understand how do you get to truly profitable growth and and sustain that and scale that so it doesn't matter whether you're in tech or not I think there's some really interesting things to to discuss and really quickly um fell into sales enablement i know many people sort of said we were doing sales enablement before it was called sales enablement i fell into sales enablement possibly the first time it was ever called sales enablement so i was working at Forrester research um forrester had scott santucci and um lots of fantastic people there writing about this for our clients at that point in time who were tech and some, some, a lot of SaaS as well. And so they felt as an organization, we really ought to do sales enablement as well as just tell other people to do it. And so I'd just been part of building on, in fact, led on building out their global sales process restructure. So they said, well, why don't you do this? That seemed to go all right. We're making money, do the next big thing. So they gave me, as is also classic, Some people who were in the sales training organization, fortunately, incredibly talented people who could be pushed and stretched and think about it. I had half an FTE from finance. That's how ops was considered at that time. And this is like 2007. And then massive global financial economic crisis occurred. Forrester is a research organization and we grew double digit growth. So something about the enablement work that we were doing and the way we were working together clearly was resonating and making a difference for our salespeople. So there you go. I've a nutshell, but there's there's a bit of that for you.
0: <coughs> a coconut shell, maybe into <laughs> a coconut shell, yeah. Sort of things. Uh, so fascinating. I think it's always good that you know you get people from outside of kind of the, the, the standards um route into any. Uh, any role because it brings a, a different perspective and of course when one thinks of sales enablement the default is it's born out of the the tech sector however i 100 agree with you i believe that the means the processes the, the 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 outcomes are relevant to any uh any industry and if reflecting on kind of where it's come as a as a journey you yourself you mentioned it's kind of was born out of the research that forrester was doing at the time we have rev ops we have sales ops we have varying iterations of it and we had the get together the uh, other couple of weeks ago the first one in um in person for the sales name society which was um uh, raucous good fun should i uh should i say but i think we had some really interesting debate and conversations from many practitioners from many different um uh, industries primarily within within the tech space let's be honest uh but I feel that there is a, are we at an inflection point around what? What does sales enablement actually mean today versus where it's come from? And you mentioned sales training as the people that you were kind of given straight out the gate, because I feel that it may be still seen as it's a training coaching kind of back office thing that can get in the way of sellers and sellers.
1: Yeah, that's a really good point. So I and I should say, yes, it was one of those lovely evenings where people were so excited to get back together again. I think we had uh, 46 people actually showed wine was taken and and passions run high. But what was lovely about it and for me, one before I get to your specific question, one of the things that sales enablement means is we are creating a discipline or an approach or an idea and it's still forming and. It should remain plastic and agile to the needs of the company that it's working within or the market, more importantly, and the customers you're trying to engage with. But, you know, to say sales enablement is is training does a massive disservice to our L&D colleagues, but also to what you're able to achieve with really beautiful, great, orchestrated enable, enablement. You know, it's um, we talk about the pillars of people, process, content and technology, but you, you can't force those into their own silos. It's finding a way to see the holistic view of where you're going, even if you have to break down a problem into small pieces and then put them back together again over 18 months. And for me, sales enablement is like the invisible sticky glue that keeps everything together towards that common uh, aim or goal. And And, you know, I started this by saying, best use of cost of sale driving uh, predictable profitable growth so then okay that's really really big picture break it down look at where that is or isn't playing in an organization what is or isn't working and find a way to bring people together to fix it don't be enablement fixes it enablement is is driving the people together and then there's ownership and it stays fixed um, I, I, uh, before I was at The Economist, I had a company called A Rising Tide. A Rising Tide lifts all ships. And what I basically say to people is, and this sounds ridiculous, but it's been Mother's Day recently, so I'll say, it's a little bit like Nanny McPhee. When you join, and I always join Greenfield, right, they're at a tipping point, they haven't had enablement, but something's not right, or it's hard, or they've had investment and they need to try and deliver on that investment promise, or a new CEO who wants to shift things. If you haven't got that revenue enablement and operation structure in place, then it's just heroic effort by individuals and it doesn't fly. And they don't know that other people are doing the same thing. So they're in silos. So enablement is about bringing the transparency, bringing people together, helping them understand a, a commonality of growth aim. You know, it's not about corporate strategy, really. It's about executing on corporate strategy in, in that market and then filling in the gaps, like making it client first if it needs to be client first make stopping this well you'll have seen as well alex right let's do some fantastic social selling brilliant here's some stuff to say on linkedin and then the sales people are like what yeah huh? and <laughs> or go and find a thousand cmos and tell them some stuff about your company you you do not get the outcome that you really positively are hoping are going to happen there, unless somebody says, okay, end-to-end, why CMOs? You know, what what's interesting? What are they struggling with right now? And that's enabling us to get to a better selling environment working with those CMOs. I I don't think you can define it enablement. In fact, the Sales Enablement Society, like many other people, tried to, and I would say it was the most contentious thing that we ever did, because nobody owns enablement we don't own what it is, but we should be able to say define it for a positive outcome not a negative you don't have it piece um and I'm sorry because I'm talking a lot here but just recently I heard about this um this salesperson who turned down the job that he'd been offered because they didn't have an enablement organization and he was not going to go into that company without knowing that that was established and good and I think we're starting to be understood as a powerful outcome and a powerful reason for good defining us as an enablement or as a discipline or as a professional is is really hard i mean what tell me your thoughts because you know you're you've lived through this as well how how do you say this is what sales enablement means
0: well hey i, I love talking to you because you're so eloquent with your uh with your words and i love you know that it's it's the. If we pick up on i will answer your question but just reflecting on kind of what you said that holistic end goal of what we're actually trying to um achieve here and that it's the the invisible glue that kind of sticks this all to, to together and it's almost um it's a bit like uh, if you ever been to a fine dining you know, michelin-starred restaurant where the, the the waiting staff you don't know they're there but they're there and everything just works in harmony and, and and unison, just because everyone knows exactly what their their role is and when to do it, and so you just have as the diner, as the and that could be the seller or the client, you just have this immaculate experience because it's just all happening around you. And I think that's um, that's probably how that's just come to my head how I might describe enablement is that you're there in the background and you are you are enabling the outcome to to happen and it's almost you you should be just there quietly and not necessarily front of front of mind but that you need to be able to flex and react to wherever the kind of the the, the business challenge might be to your point the the elasticity the elasticity of it and the flex uh, of it <clears throat> because everyone's going to be different every seller is going to be different in terms of uh where they are on the um uh the, the journey, and people need to learn and be enabled through do, different learning mechanisms. That's also been, um scientifically scientifically proven, which then actually reflects on uh, the article that uh, Brent Adamson wrote at the beginning of when it was, what we, 23, possibly last year, 2022, um, around sales and marketing becoming obsolete. And then he's, he did a, a expose on um, Jenna Pipchuk, who um, recently has moved on, from a technology company that she, she implemented this, uh, this at. But again, just when I uh, talked to her, she described this elasticity of the sales process and re-engineered, redesigned their entire sales and marketing function to operate in this in this liquid way that, that you move up and down the process rather than having the, these defined handover points from SDR to a, SDR to BDR to AE or what have you. And it's kind of once you've gone through that gate. You can't really go go backwards, and kind of Jenna's viewpoint was of course you can go backwards through that gate if so that's what the client wants to do in right. terms of the the buying experience. So I
1: if I if I may, and I, I'm just gonna move past the question I asked you because you've just made me think about a million other things as well. Okay. So I I talk about the industrialization of the sales process sometimes. So you think about Um, And this sounds linear and the sales process should never be linear. It's an infinity symbol, if you ask me. But anyway, um, so you have sort of BDR, SDR, account manager or account executive and then senior and then global and so on and so on. Or or negotiation or or deal architect or whatever you want to. The roles have become more specific and more defined. But at every stage where you create a, a, a sort of a definitive handoff moment is an opportunity for your pipeline to leak or is an opportunity for learning to be lost. And I think that it's great. It drives cost out of your sales process. And if you've got the frameworks and the structures, everybody knows exactly what they're doing when, that's perfect. And I love your restaurant analogy because it should feel like you, the customer, you, the salesperson, are being loved and looked after. But it should also feel like enablement is just one step ahead. So you come to something and you're like, oh, my God, I've never seen that before. I've never come up against that competitor, or I've never heard that problem before, you should be able to go back to your sales enablement and ops team, and they'll be like, oh, yeah, don't worry, we've got your back. We knew that that might be a, or we thought about that. And to, to go full circle what you said, not only that, some of our salespeople want to, uh, to learn kinetically, right? They want to do some role play. They want to try it out. They want to do that sort of thing. Some of them want to read it. Some of them want to watch it. And so the sales enablement team can pick up on, those incredible training and uh, curriculum design elements to make sure that this lands and embeds in that person's moment. You know, not, oh, brilliant, got an idea, come into this training room next Thursday and we'll talk to you about it. You know, either, yeah, your sales manager has got some stuff on that, you can talk about it in deal review, or I can help you right now, what exactly is your problem, why, 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 and then actually get to the, the crux of it. So that's where the sort of adult learning, the own your own success part of this is, you know, we're not enabling you to to find crappy resources and bad content. We're empowering you to go off and say, I can sell better. I will be able to own my number and my target with these things in place. Oh, look, enablement has already thought about that. And ops is showing you how it's made a difference or not. And we'll keep doing that. So that's the fluidity. I think that helps as well.
0: <clears throat> my brain has just jumped straight to tech and um spotify well, I'm not going to yet i'm going to come um back to this <laughs> so um there's a lot here already going um going on i know we could talk for hours for hours on this but what notwithstanding that you know the roles are are defined but if for our listeners they're thinking about to your point we need to start doing this, we need to start making this a uh, more of a um a defined thing, although we agree that you can't really <laughs> define what, what it is. Um, are there fundamentals that y- you need in place from from kind of people or roles or skill sets at that very basic level to kind of start to 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 lay the foundations for this?
1: So if you're laying the foundations, if you're greenfielding, which is generally where I have um well, my career has taken me. Honestly, it's it's very different to if you are. at a different place in your maturity curve. I would say there are accelerator accelerator moments in the sales enablement sort of maturity curve. But let's let's park that for now, because you're right. This is one of those conversations to just get bigger and bigger, and boiling the ocean helps nobody, right? So, it, I would say the first thing you do if you go in um, as a head of sales enablement, or because you start to think about shaping the space where sales enablement ought to be mm-hmm. is to think about where the friction points are between departments or the blockers or friction for your customers and prospects and I I say that with purpose I think it gets said a lot but it's so powerful our sales people will tell us oh marketing aren't giving me enough leads or I'm not getting the right content or my product doesn't fly or whatever and they're they're not that they are false reasonings It's just that those things are true because of something that's happening outside of your organization, not because of your marketing people like to sit around doing a bad job and they don't want to give you any leads. That's just nonsense. Everybody's in there with positive intent. So it's that there's something's changed or you need to think about what's happening in your market and then think about whether the way you sell is really differentiating you in the market I would love to say that the perfect product exists and it walk off the shelves and all of that. We don't need salespeople. It, it doesn't. And so but perhaps the way you're selling doesn't fit or the process stages for them to buy have, have become different or elongated. You need to start to understand that. So an enablement person needs to go past the noise that they're hearing internally, have the confidence and the credibility to say, this is the way I'm going to move this problem forward. But I'm not going to do it in a day and I will get to your problems, but we go outside in first. So they need to have that sort of uh, gentle but credible leadership piece. They need to be able to see the client perspective in everything, because when companies are getting complicated or numbers are tanking, we tend to double down on what we can control internally, activities, pipeline reporting, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's it's fine. I understand it. But that's not the problem. The, the, the problem is those activities aren't doing what they were doing before, aren't driving the, the changes that we need them to do before. So there is something about having a logical and ordered brain, although if you lifted my head you'd see about 700 mind maps playing out so I'm not sure how I fit into that (laughs) perhaps the ability to have lots of moving pieces at all times is a really valuable thing and then um, if enablement is going to drive profitable growth like if that's what the look is or if you want to you're struggling to open a market, whatever it is, think about what that big corporate goal is and then back it down into work streams. And that's another skill set, right? To actually be able to to back things down into into work streams and get everybody bought into how that might change their lives, change their approach to things. The, The very first time I did this, I hadn't anticipated how exposing it would be to actually be able to track influence on a sales process or influence on a renewal process. And so people who really thought they were doing incredible work and really passionate about their work were achieving nothing, made no difference to conversion rates or it didn't accelerate or it didn't grow deal size. And I sort of blindly rocked up with my spreadsheets and my pie charts and my, you know, value, volume, velocity work, you know, at Scott Santucci's knee. And they were like, but but I'm working really hard <laughs> like, and I love my job. Oh, no, 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 no. So Enablement also has to sort of um, find someone who genuinely is driven by other people's success. Because if you're driven by your own success, you'll last a couple of months, eighteen months, and then you'll 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 walk out because you're not able to to get everybody to to do what you need them to do. I feel like I'm doing another rambling big conversation, and I want want to know why you asked about Spotify. But um, <laughs> but if I was it, to get enablement nailed down. Don't assume you can find one person who can do everything. Don't do that awful job description, which is you know incredibly influential at the senior level, deep data science capabilities to use Excel spreadsheets, credible with your sales organization, three to five years experience, 60,000 pounds. Right? It just It's just a nonsense and those roles are everywhere. You need to think about somebody who can uh, collaborate with commercial teams and make that make sense. And then the building blocks of structure and process and framework, Yes, training and curriculum design, but not trainers, people who think about human behavior. And then the, the ops team are essential. I can't believe we didn't like force that into to my team in Forrester many, many years ago, because they show you whether it's working and how it's working and what you should think about investing. So. I, sort of, I hope I brought it back a little bit at the end to be a bit more specific. <laughs>
0: yeah, absolutely. I think you know loads of kind of insight and nuggets there. And what, again, reflecting on your... And I think this comes full circle back to the... reason, no kind of one-size-fits-all for um, enablement in terms of that definition piece, but it's what you said at the top in terms of you've got to cut through the noise, not, not accept what you're being told to be true, no. and look for those friction points and look for why those friction points are happening and then start to... Um, fix them which then comes back to the analogy of then you're you know you're, you're fixing something's broken you are the invisible glue that is helping this all come to um come together in like one week it could be one thing and you fix that bit which then co- causes something to happen over uh over there right in terms of the um the, the process and the other points around um you know people do generally want to try to help everything want to help the organizations yeah. that to be successful and typically are going be very hard in terms of what they're trying um, trying to do. But to your point the market changes the way people buy changes, the economics change and therefore you have to change and flex what you' what what you're doing which then does dare I say it, come full circle maybe back to some of the, the behaviors of leaders who only know one way to be true. And then trying to move that mindset in terms of getting the leaders to buy into you want to to get the team to think and do and do differently. And I I, I will come to the Spotify bit in um, in a minute. <laughs> I believe that this is where where we're seeing technology to, today is that each seller is different, and to your point about their their learning their learning style. Therefore, what uh, one way. One process that works for one seller might not necessarily be able to take that cookie cutter approach, and then work for another seller just in terms of the nature of kind of who they are and how they um how they operate, which then comes to the the, the technology piece, and um, we're going to go down the AI route because we can't not go down the AI AI um, AI route, and you got me thinking when you were talking about that um enablement should be you know one step ahead. So that mm-hmm. when a is comes up against a problem they haven't encountered before, there's already, I'm going to call it a playbook, a methodology, a, a thing to help kind of answer that question. And when you were talking to that, you got me reflecting of how certainly Spotify and other platforms work around the way it serves you songs and albums. Right. Different interests based on kind of what you're, what you're doing. And I'm like, well, I'm, I would never have, you know, a lot of the music I listen to now Back in the days when we went to HMV and got our, our our CDs, for those of us who remember what CDs are and put them into our discs, um, <laughs> disc, if you went down the down that route, you kind of only went to what you you know. Whereas you know the, the, what the likes of Spotify can now do is kind of open your mind to different genres, different different music tastes, and different um, styles. And I feel and feel free to challenge me both you and anybody listening in the in, in the comments on on this that there is technology today we have the technical ability to be able to serve that knowledge and that insight to sellers in an almost like use the word carefully predictive but certainly on demand way to help guide them and if we think Around where Microsoft is now going with, with Copilot. But even and you know, Salesforce with Einstein and Google with Baden, yada yada yada. But even before then, it's it, Microsoft was sharing me that uh, Teams today, you've got their customer virtual agent. So you could be an insurance, you could be you know an insurance person and you're talking to me, Imogen, and then you mentioned you're going on, on holiday, and then teams will hear that, and AI will spin up in the chat box, and you you know they said holiday you need to now sell this or think about, um, th- think about this. This is all eminently possible today, notwithstanding generative AI chat GPT and Copilot, pilot and, 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 but wh- where, where, where does, where can technology and that sort of thing play, play into this?
1: this? Oh my God, this, I'm just starting to scratch the surface of this. So, so bear with me if I have a slightly naive response to it, but I have, um, I'm very, very excited about what's coming. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because every time over the last 20 years has been a new technology development, there's been a new way to think about something. And so this is another chance to bring another set of approaches and tools and ideas into the ta- to the table and to the salespeople, but also to your customers and their buying journey, right? If we can truly predict what they're gonna need next, because part of this is sort of emotional attachment and the art of selling, but there's so much that's the science of selling. Well, you know, if we talk about the industrialization of sales, the industrial, industrial revolution brought machines, right? We, we started to do the repetitive tasks that people didn't want to do, that didn't add an awful lot of value, but were necessary, became machine led. Right, well, There will be areas all over the way we engage or manage or serve our customers and make sure they get what they need in a timely fashion that we shouldn't have people doing. In fact, people would slow it down or God forbid go on holiday or do whatever. Right. We can make sure they're getting what they need in the right fashion. So if you think about it and this isn't me being clever, but if you think about it as augmented intelligence, then you've got great, smart, brilliant people From the buyer side and from the from the let's call them vendors but you know it's a horrible term coming together to, to try and achieve something well let's make that as easy as possible let's get every friction point that we can um remove removed let's make it automated for emails that's so old now right but you know let's make sure sequences make sense and if the person doesn't like them stop them or if they love picking up the phone let's do that and that's just a really basic version of what the potential is for this now um, if the if you can sense that a person is using mainly sight words I see I saw or, you know um, let me let me um, or if they're using like I would love to hear about that those things you can change speech patterns you can help bring people together and just have that behind the scenes meeting of mind Right? It, it's it's scary in the level of manipulation you have the capability to do but it's incredible in the fact that on the whole people have got great products or solutions and people have problems just make it easier for those things to come together so yeah i'm naive about all of the different possibilities for it right now but i'm excited and open to how we might bring that as long as it's really well enabled into the seller's hands and it's actually adopted and it's actually understood in the moment not just here is a way to automate something. Great, thanks. But what? <laughs> you know That doesn't help anybody. You know, really, truly might be you're incredible at conversations where you have to build a vision on something. So let's focus you there. You, that our augmented intelligence platforms show us that you've missed these three questions. So here they are. Let's just make sure they get asked properly. Brilliant, right? A brilliant experience for everybody. So, you know, I, I think my slightly naive um it goes beyond the you listen to this so you're probably going to like this as well it goes yeah. beyond the people like you bought this but it that is the fundamentals beneath it as well isn't it it's just moving you in the right direction on it it's not the you know talking to my husband about how to unblock his ear and then I get an advert for it that just drives me insane it's <laughs> much more about you know that's oversharing but uh it's much more about the what do our sellers need and where can I drive cost out of the sales process with the automated renewal clients and accounts? You don't want to talk to a salesperson. They'll just accept their 10 percent pay rise, uh, pay rise, 10 percent price rise, not to have to talk to a salesperson and negotiate it down and drive any of those savings into the big, meaty enterprise, long sales processes and make sure that they're successful, too. So, there you go
0: a great answer and i I agree i i believe we are at a fascinating turning point around around because there's lots of technology that does you know coaching in terms of listening to sales conversations you can pick out sentiment and keywords and all all this kind of stuff but i i feel again this is me on the outside looking at these kind of things looked in isolation rather than lifting it up and looking at looking at it um uh holistically but also on the you know, the 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 predictive piece I think is an in, is is an interesting one and certainly any money board that's using Sales Navigator, Advanced or Advanced Plus will see the intent data that's now starting to come into uh, into that. But it reminds me of a conversation with the former CMO of IBM many moons ago when they were trying to do a customer journey and they wanted to kind of redo the website. But the website you know, it was the yeah. IBM website massive website. And she said in her particular vision, one of the the um, the sellers said, "Well, why we we know." <laughs> what we sell to our clients day in, day out, day out. We know what are the entry products because we sell them. And then we also know what they then typically go on to buy from those entry products and the timeframes within which it takes from that to happen to be then typically three months they do this, six months they do this, nine months they might do this, or 12 months they might do this. So why don't we just, fix, just focus on the, the website journey that it's related to this anchor product, if you will, service, mm-hmm. and then we know that three months after this we need to start marketing this and then six months we need to start marketing this and this is then when we need to pick up the phone and because we've already got this data in our CRM system, we already have this in terms of our finance system in terms of yeah. voices going out the door to um, to clients and this was back, I think it was 2015, 2016 or I remember this, uh, this roundtable, you fast forward that to today and to your point around the technology that is now available to help augment this and help you kind of think differently about this in in real time this is the insanity of it we you can do things in um in real time and yes absolutely we should be bringing up sellers to do what sellers are good at which is having conversations right with people yes yeah. I-
1: yeah, sorry. I know. I love that, right? Because that's gone back to our just be one step ahead, and then it feels so valuable, right? You know, whether you're in a in a, a beautiful dining experience and your glass is empty, right? Just be ready to pour the wine, or or if you know that the the customer lifecycle always goes this entry product, this next step, this problem suddenly occurs, and and not with your with what you're delivering, but with the company who are now doing something slightly different. Just the AI can feed that through to you and you're like a savior because you're going to say to them, you know, in a few weeks time, you're probably going to want to think about X, you know, just let me know and I'll I'll make sure we're ready. What sort of value is that? That's incredible. Why would you go anywhere else? And that's when you have that sort of that trusted relationship because it's, it's done with you and for you as a salesperson or an account manager, whatever that looks like the client experiences something extraordinary. And then they phone you up and say, I don't know. I know you're at the Economist Imogen, but do you have any idea about, you know, how uh, how Google is going to be able to do X in the future? And You're like, well, no, but you trust me and I will think about this and I will try and get back to you. It's amazing how those sorts of things can just, that word nudge, right? The next best thing or the nudge that just keeps the relationship fresh and, and spending proper money. There's some fantastic charts about NPS and customer satisfaction and uh, account level growth imagine if you also know the next best product to put there or the next best service to put into it too i think it's fantastic
0: it is it, it, it's it's exciting exciting times and i think the way that you know you phrased that last bit in terms of you know you're probably going to start thinking about or you may start thinking about this in a couple of weeks here's some here's some collateral it starts to create a better relationship with um uh with marketing because then they're starting to feel the uh, feel the value or the fact that if you reflect on I think I haven't read the book, but I'm going to Matt Dixon's uh, jolt effect that most uh, deals stall because of indecision. yes rather yeah. than, rather than there's no there's no buyer. there's no they just stall because nothing nothing happens. You've got all this insight and knowledge as to what deals succeed and why. So rep- replicate that, but with the, you know, the language in terms of typically your customers think and feel this at this moment. That's okay. This is the next best step that you need to take. And imagine if you'll then serve that by by uh, AI and then Crikey, you look at the, the world of generative AI, you look at videos like you know, platforms like synthesia, where you can start to do this at scale with avatars. So you can skin yourself <laughs> up this way in terms of you're just dropping the kind of the video templates into. A cadence or 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 a sequence and then you draw in the salesperson at the at the right time i think it's really it's 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 amazingly exciting but um before we
1: can i I say one last thing on this because these are as you say these are hugely interesting concepts and how do you think about making ready for that so i would say practically right now what i would uh, will be focusing on in the next few months and i'm not going to say what i'm doing right now is the building blocks of this. So really clear customer segmentation, whatever that looks like for your business, but make sure it's about potential spend, not just market cap. And sequence of events, right? As you said, you've got incredible salespeople who could, in that IBM conversation, who could tell you what the next product was going to be and the next thing that they would be pitching because it would make sense. That mutual sequence of events is an incredible tool anyway, but get it really, really, really finely mapped out with your your lovely humans and your lovely clients they built incredible relationships with. And then you can start to see, okay, when we start to think about or invest or understand how we as a company are gonna use AI, you've got your building blocks. You've got the these big spend clients or these minimum margin clients. You've got the amount of time and effort and sequences of things that have to occur with those over time. Well then start perhaps that gives you a, a playground to put the the AI capabilities into well
0: you've just just ended this podcast absolutely <laughs> and uh, eloquently without me having to um to tee you up to do so so um so thank you uh, we've, um we've we've covered a lot in here um, but there's so much more to uh to do so if people want to learn more about the sales enablement society uh, can they reach out to you can we point to the websites? what's the best way for people to to do that to come and be part of this community to help shape the future of all this
1: yes so the more the merrier this as I said at the outset this is well a it's fun this is a fun thing to be part of there's usually wine if you want it and there's definitely food and you get a chance to have a voice right nobody owns sales movement nobody owns the sales movement society we spin through so everybody can have a voice in it um but yeah probably find me um on LinkedIn to start with there's a few other names or or Alex I'm sure they can connect with you as well if they haven't already and, and and that will point them at me and the other people who are leading it in the UK um and for people in other countries, there are chapters all over the world. So you know, it's a it's a global it's a global excitement. There's a lot of us interested in this. Global
0: excitement, over, uh, <laughs> oh my god! I, mean, I, just, I thought you know I could see some starlings out here. So I maybe mean, it's a global murmuration.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: oh. Sales and sales people flying around the flying around the world. I'll put the um I'll put the stuff in the comments on the on the YouTube channel. I'll put it in the body. The links will be in the body of the text for the uh, for the for the podcast. But uh, Imogen, absolutely. Pleasure, thank you so much for uh affording uh, your busy schedule to uh, come and share your, your knowledge and your
1: uh, insight. Alex, I absolutely love your podcast and what you do, so it's been a real pleasure to be part of one of them. Thank you for having me.
0: And thank you so much to my listeners. Really do appreciate it. Without you, this will be for, uh, for nothing. But if you've um, learned some things, you want to add some things, put them in the comments. DM me, DM Imogen. Um, well worth being part of this conversation. But uh, until next time, uh, I will see you all on the flip side.